is that Jesus gave us all of him first. So when we give him all of us, we're just returning what he gave to us first. And that he gave his life for us. And he died on a cross. So that we could have a relationship with him again. That's good news, y'all. That's good news for all of us in here today. That the Lord gave himself up for us. So we want to welcome you today. My name is Pastor Derek Parks. I have the privilege of serving as the pastor here at Epiphany Church of Wilmington. So it's my my deep pleasure to welcome all of you today. Um, if this is your first, second, or third time here with us, we say welcome. Uh, we're glad that you're here. Uh, if there's anything that you need, anything that we can do to make your time with us uh, more comfortable, please don't hesitate to ask. So um, we're grateful today to um, jump into the word. Um, you know, I've been, I was away for a few weeks, um, but now uh, being able to be back and to be with you all is just the, the joy of my heart to serve as your pastor and to serve um, the Lord together with you. We had a good good time yesterday at our Epiphany Summer Party. Anybody was there? We had a good time? All right. We had a good time. Uh, we had a lot of good food. Uh, Chef Williams made a whole bunch of stuff for us. People were splashing in the pool and all that good stuff. And there were prizes and everything. So Curtis gave away a lot of stuff from his Amazon business that he's got going on, eBay, or I'm not sure which one it is. Forgive me. It's both. <laughs> he got a lot of money. No. <laughs> so um, just grateful that we were able to be together and um, fellowship with one another. Uh, we've been working hard all summer. Um, we had a huge community day the week before that. Um, which was an amazing, amazing, amazing time. We got to serve um, our community right over in Western City in Hello Chambers Park. So it was a great, awesome, powerful time. So um, enough about that. I'm going to jump into the word today. Um, y'all quiet and y'all got to make a little bit of noise. Act like you're happy in Jesus today. Um, I know it's nice out and all that. Um, and y'all could be at the beach, but... Um, David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. So there's something about being in the presence of other believers, something about being in the presence of the Lord that ought to make you glad on the inside of your heart. And you don't need anybody to tell you to praise God. You don't need anybody to tell you to rejoice in the Lord. You rejoice in the Lord because you're happy in him because of what he's done for you in your life. Amen. All right. So I said I'll say I need you to talk back to me today <laughs> as I um, prepare to proclaim the word. So I'm going to uh, tag this text today as distinguish yourself, distinguish yourself. Y'all got that? Say that little uh, other color, limon or grapefruit. I don't know what that is, but it's different. It's distinguished. So that's what we're going to look at today. Uh, turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 13. Um, I'll be in John chapter 13, the 34th and the 35th verse. 
When you have it, you can say amen. All right. If you don't have it, it's up here for you on the screen. All right. Hear these words of our Father. Jesus says, I give you a new command. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Father, help us. Help us today, God, as we dive into this passage of Scripture, these eternal words that you spoke. Father, giving us a new command that we might love one another as you have loved us. Father, that's impossible for us to do without your spirit. So, Father, I pray, God, by your spirit, Lord, that you would stand in my body today and that you would think with my mind and that you would speak with my mouth. And, God, I pray that the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart will be acceptable in your sight, my Lord, my strength, and my Redeemer, in whom I trust, God. Help us that when we hear these words, we might respond by saying, Lord, help us to obey. And, Father, it's by your spirit and by your might that we pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. And the whole church said, Amen. So, in 1992, Eddie Murphy released a political comedy entitled, the Distinguished Gentleman. Anybody remember that movie? No. <laughs> y'all don't. Some of y'all weren't even born in 1992. That's okay. Um, see, in the conniving world of politics, even a professional shyster like Thomas Jefferson Johnson, the character that Eddie Murphy played, he can find himself, he found himself being outmatched by a child. After using his name recognition to get him elected, Johnson, he enjoys many of the same financial perks as other politicians. However, while investigating the connection between electric companies and cancer in young children, he unexpectedly had a change of heart. But unfortunately, there were some congressmen who were used to doing things the way that they have always done things, and they were not content with him rocking the boat. But this man, played by Eddie Murphy, decided that he would be a distinguished gentleman. This is like the church today. We use the fame of the church to garner us perks. And in many places, we are really seen as charlatans who take advantage of others for our personal gain. But like this character, we must realize that there is a cancer in our world known as hate. And as the church of Jesus Christ, we ought to do everything within our power and everything within the power that Jesus has invested into us in order to see that love finds its way into the hearts of God's people. 
So I want to submit this idea to us today is that if we are going to distinguish ourselves, then we must love people. If we are going to distinguish ourselves from the bad reputation that is rising up amongst churches in our community and in our country, people do not like the church. In fact, people are turning away from the church in droves. They're turning away from the church faster than you can turn a pancake in a pan. They're running away from the church because they don't sense the love of God inside of the church. The Buddha said, he, he, uh, Gandhi says, I love your Christ, but I hate your Christians. We must distinguish ourselves in the way that we are going to do that. Epiphany Church of Wilmington is by loving people. So let's jump into this text. I want you to see first what love is. Paul, this, 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 this pastor, Jesus says, I give you a new command. Love one another just as I have loved you. This command that Jesus is giving, the newness is not in the fact that he's calling them to love, but it's the newness is in the fact that he's calling them to love like he loved us. Can I tell you how impossible that is for us to do? Can I tell you how impossible that is for us to love one another without the spirit of God dwelling on the inside of us? That's why this word here that, that he uses for love, this is such a unique word uh, in the Greek language that is not seen in many other places outside of the language because God was calling for us to have a new type of love that was different from anything that had ever been seen before. Y'all tracking with me? So God, he's calling them, he's saying, listen, I want you to be fond of one another. I want you to be contented with one another. I want you to have a love that is deep for those who are with you. And that's the way that you're going to be distinguished from others is that you love one another. So look at this. If we're going to love people, then we first have to make them feel welcome. That's what this word here means as well. It means to make them feel welcome. So if we're going to love people, then we've got to make them feel welcome. That's why we create a worship gathering where people, uh, unchurched and churched, feel welcomed. Because that's how we get to, we talked about this last week, that's how we uh, make a way for people to know God. So people who have never experienced Jesus before, people who have never experienced the love of God, the first point in which they can do that is to find themselves in a worship gathering where people are lifting their hands and worshiping Jesus and singing praises to him. That's one of the ways that they can feel welcomed into the kingdom of God so that they can begin to know God for themselves. Then we provide small groups where people can experience community and find freedom in God. So we want you to, to, to be experiencing the freedom that is only in Christ. Can I tell you this? When you are free from the bondage and baggage that's holding you back in your life, you won't love anybody. If you, if you're clogged up with the stuff that's on the inside of you that, that you were, that you were trapped into when sin was reigning in your life, if that stuff is still holding you bondage, if that stuff is still holding on to you, you will never love people until you get free. 
That's why we say, listen, we want to invite you into small groups where you can experience community so that you can find freedom from the things that are in your life. People in your life will begin to say, hey, listen, brother, I see you getting angry about these kinds of things. We want to help you to not be so angry all the time. Sister, we we see you. Your attitude's a little off. It's a little stink sometimes. We want to help you. You think you're cute and all that stuff like that, but we want to help you out. That stuff happens within the context of community. I'm talking to myself. That's okay. But we, we want you to be able to find freedom inside of Jesus. That's why we're called to live woven with one another. We're called to be intertwined with each other so that, you know what, when you get in the same space with other people and you're entwined with them, it's hard to hide. It's hard to hide when you're wrapped up in relationship with other people because they begin to smell your mess. They do. Married folk, y'all go ahead and tell them. Uh, the, the, the quickest way for you to, uh, <laughs> to find out what, what's really going on is, is to be close to that person that you're with. Uh, if, when you're just dating and all that stuff, it's cute. The stuff they do is nice, right? It's, 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 it's cool, but wait until. <laughs> Amen. Just wait until you get married and you start to, you know, amen. Next, I love you, baby. You're so beautiful. Um, all the bad stuff is me, not her at all. Listen, <laughs> that's on tape. <laughs> y'all disrespectful. Y'all don't, y'all don't appreciate me. That's all right. Uh, listen, next, if you're going to love people, if we're going to make people feel welcome, that's the way that we do that is that we, we create an obvious and easy and effective track by which people can grow and discover their purpose in Jesus. That's what growth track is all about. You're going to come in. You're going to discover your purpose. You're going to find out about some of your personality. Some of your personality. You're going to find out about some of your, your spiritual gifts, and, and we're going to get you on a trajectory where you're able to discover your purpose and live out a lifestyle of worship in Jesus. Can I tell you that some of the most miserable people in the world are people who don't know their purpose? Those are some of the most miserable, downtrodden people or folks who do not know what they have been put on this earth to do by King Jesus. So we want to make you feel welcome at this church. We want to help you discover your purpose. So we're going to have a growth track that's easy and obvious for you to enter into so that you can discover what your purpose is. The next way we make people feel welcome is that we create an easy and obvious process by which people are able to serve the needs of others and, and, and make a difference. That's what our, work, our wonder team is about. It's, it's about us being on a team with one another, discovering our purpose together and working together with one another so that we can make a difference in the world. Everybody's trying to make a difference. Every single person. They want to make a difference. They want to know that their life matters. 
That's what this is about. People want to know that what they do matters. They want to know that they're making a difference. And so we want to love on people by making an easy and obvious track by where people can join a team and serve with one another on a wonder team so that they can make a difference. That's why Paul says in this past, not Paul, Jesus is saying this. I was, we were preaching Colossians for so long. I keep saying Paul. That's why Jesus says, love one another. The word here for one another means mutuality or reciprocity. In other words, do everything for the mutual benefit of one another. We can't go around claiming to love people when we don't do everything that we can to ensure their mutual treatment. When you treat people like they are less than you, you are not loving them. When you act like you're better than people, you are not loving them. And when you go around and you treat people as if they owe you something, you are not loving people. God is calling us to have a mutual relationship with one another where the relationship is reciprocal. It's not what that means is it's not one sided all the time. Sometimes it's going to be one-sided because sometimes people, they need help, and you've got to help them along the way, and you've got to be strong when they're weak. You've got to bear the infirmities of the weak. We've got to do those things from time to time, but the majority of the time, we ought to have a mutual, reciprocal relationship with those that we are in close proximity to if we're going to love them. If I only ate food at my house and I never washed a dish and I never helped cook in the kitchen, guess what? That would not be a mutual reciprocal relationship and my wife would stop cooking for me if I did that kind of stuff. Fellas, you got to pitch in, okay? Don't be acting like you can just come in the house and eat. You got to help out and do different stuff because the relationship must be mutual. It has to be reciprocal or it's not love. It's lording it over is what it is. If you are not in a relationship where you're giving and you're taking and you're giving more than you're taking, that's not love. Jesus says, Love one another just as I have loved you. That's the difficulty of this passage. As he says, just as. That means in the same proportion as. It means in the same degree to. But then there's this funny word, in as much as. I don't know how they put those three words together, but they did it (laughs) in as much. That's how you've got to love people. You've got to love people in as much as Jesus loved you. And can I tell you, 
If you're a sinner, if you're in here today, you were a sinner and Jesus, he saved you and he stepped into your life. And what he the sin that he saved you from was great. It was not a little bit of sin. It was a whole lot of sin because any amount of sin brings a chasm between you and God. And if it's not for Jesus stepping into your place and dying for you on the cross, you would never be able to bridge that gap. No matter how small you might have thought that gap was, I just did a little bit of sin i didn't sin too much i I only said a bad word every other week i didn't say a bad word every week uh and i only uh uh, you know mess with people when 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 they were getting on my nerves like i didn't just mess with people because no it doesn't matter your sin was great no matter how small you might think it is but jesus is calling us to love one another in as much as he loved us how did he love us I'm glad that you asked that. Jesus loved us in that he healed us. Matthew chapter 14, it says, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. There are some things in your life that Jesus has healed you from because he loved you. There are some things that Jesus is freeing you up from right now. Some sickness that's in your heart right now that Jesus is freeing you up from. And he's doing that because he loves you. I guess maybe nobody in here needs Jesus to heal them. But if you really needed Jesus to heal you, you know that he is healing you not because of anything that you have done. But he heals you because of the love that he has for you. How else did he love us? He says that he raised us. John chapter 11, Jesus wept. Verse 35. Then jump down to verse 38. It says, and once more, as he was deeply moved, he came to the, to the, to the tomb of his friend Lazarus. And it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. And if you know anything about the story, he calls into the tomb and he says, Lazarus, get up. There are some dead things in your life that God is calling to get up. There are some dead relationships in your life that God is calling into the tomb. He's calling into the cave and he's telling you to revive those relationships. There's something that he wants for you to have inside of those relationships. There are some gifts that you've put to the side and you threw them into the tomb. And Jesus is calling into that tomb saying to those gifts, get up. He wants to revive those gifts in your life so that he could use them for his glory. And he's doing that because he loves us. Next, it says that he fed us. I want you to turn your attention to Mark chapter 6 when Jesus, I'm sorry, uh, Matthew chapter 15, when Jesus called his disciples to him and he said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me for three days and have had nothing to eat. Uh, I, I, I don't know how many of us that's the case for. We're willing to follow Jesus to the point where we don't even eat. We're just listening to his word. Uh, but here they, they follow Jesus and they had nothing to eat for three days. And he says, I do not want to send them away hungry. Or they'll collapse on the way. 
Jesus sends you the kind of relationships that you need where you are constantly being fed and nourished on those relationships. And more than that, he sends you his word where you can be nourished and replenished each and every day. All you have to do is dive into the word. How else did he love us? I want you to see this because this one is important. It says that he had compassion on us. If we go back to each one of those scriptures, every point in place that we that we saw Jesus doing something, it was based on the fact that he had compassion on the people. So we see here in this passage that Jesus, how Jesus loved us is that he had compassion on us. In, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, it says when Jesus had went upon the shore, a large crowd was with him, and, and, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. Jesus loves us by teaching us his ways. He don't just leave us out there to figure it out on our own and figure out our own way. He loves us by teaching us his ways through the word. Next, we see he freed us. Matthew chapter 8. When evening had come, many who were demon possessed were brought to him and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all of their sick. I'm driving at these because I want us to see that Jesus' love for us is a unique kind of love. The things that Jesus did for us, the things that he does for us currently, those are things that we can never emulate if it's not for his spirit dwelling on the inside of us. If it wasn't for his spirit, we wouldn't have compassion on anyone. Because even with his spirit, we only focus on what's good for me and mine. But Jesus is calling us to love on those and to love on people and have compassion for people even when we don't feel like it. He's calling us to this dynamic love that Jesus called us to. He says, listen, love, guess who? Not just your best friends and your BFF and bae. He said, no, I want you to love your enemies. See, that's a, that's a radical type of love. See, so those folks that, that you think, you know what, I just don't like them. We just don't get along like that. You know, we, we just don't mesh well together. Those are the people that Jesus is calling for you to love. That's okay. He's calling us to love him like that because he gave his life for us. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. See, there is life connected to your love. I want you to hear me. There is life connected to your love. Your ability to, to love on those who, who, who you don't really get along with. Guess what it does? It brings life into those relationships. You've got to know that, that there is life connected to your love. And when you say, I'm not going to love them, I'm not going to do for them because they got on my nerves today, you're effectively saying, I don't care whether they live or they die. 
when Jesus says, he says, listen, if you're angry with your brother, you're a murderer. If you're even angry with them, you are guilty of murder. So listen, if you are going to put people aside because they don't do what you want them to do, guess what? You are effectively pulling away the life-giving power that God has placed inside of your hands to be able to love on people the way that he wants you to love them. So listen, I want to see now what it looks like without love. Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 gives us the clearest picture of this. I want us to see that without love, all that we say is ineffective. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 says, if I speak in tongues, in the tongues of men or angels, but don't have love, I am only a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. You can say all you want. But if your actions don't line up, it will be ineffective. You could talk about how much you love the world, kumbaya and all that stuff. You could talk about that. But until you put your hands and your feet where your mouth speaks, love will never be effective. First Corinthians 13, 2, he says that all you know is insignificant without love. Verse 2, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, but don't have love, you're insignificant. See, the problem is this. Many of us know so much about nothing. We think we got it all together. In fact, we're so woke that we're like the dude who's always falling asleep and then swears you up and down that he wasn't sleeping. It's like, bruh, you was asleep. No, I wasn't. I was up. I remember one time I did that with my aunt when I was little. I would swear my aunt up and down I was asleep. She sent me in my room to go clean my room, right? And because I was hard-headed, I went in there, and I was tired. I went in the room, and what I did was, see, I had a couple tricks. What I did was I went in the room, and I laid down on the floor, like, with the top half of my body under the bed and the bottom half out from out the bed. So when she came in the room, I'd hear the door open, and i start moving my hands like I had been moving stuff from under my bed. So, <clears throat> kids, close your ears. Uh, <laughs> So, listen, one time, what had happened, I didn't hear the door open. So, the door had opened, and my aunt came in the room, and she was already up on me close before I started to wiggle around like I was doing stuff. And she said, boy, you under that bed sleeping? And I said, nah, auntie, what had happened was, like, I was trying to clean the stuff from under the bed. And she said, no, you wasn't. You lying. You was under there asleep. I said, auntie, I wasn't asleep. I was under there trying to do what you told me to do. You sent me down here to clean my room. That's all I'm trying to do. And then the scariest words came out of her mouth. Boy, you calling me a liar? Oh, Jesus. 
That's scary words to hear from your parent is, boy, you calling me a liar. That's scary. So because I was in such a bad position under the bed, it just didn't work out for your boy. It was it didn't work out. So because <laughs> I, I couldn't move fast enough, it was bad. So I would set myself up. It was just under there. <laughs> and she came in. She was ready. And I just, I wasn't ready. So listen, here's what happens. If you don't love, if you don't have love, all you do is insignificant. See, love would have dictated that I had cleaned my room in order to honor her, the woman who provided a roof over my head and food in my belly. Love would have dictated that I would have honored her by doing what she told me to do without trying to be slick and trying to do stuff in a different way uh, so that I can go to sleep and act like I was woke. Love dictates that I would have gotten there and I would have just cleaned my room and I would have did it with such vigor and such passion because I love my aunt because she's so good to me and she provides for me but because I was because I was young and dumb I did what I wanted to do just like some of us do when God tells us that he wants us to do something and he wants us to go love on somebody in a particular kind of way we just do what we want to do when God tells you to give the person on the street five dollars and you say well I only got this five dollars in my pocket I'm not going to give them my whole five dollars when God tells you to do that and you don't do that guess what you're not honoring him and when you break down and you give him a dollar or guess what? That's insignificant love because God was calling you to do something different and you decided to do what you wanted to do. So when we don't have love, we can know whatever we want to know and be as woke as we want to be, but be insignificant. We can walk around thinking that we know exactly what to do to end racism we know exactly what to do to end poverty in our world. We're so woke. But when's the last time you spent time with somebody sharing the word of God with them? You got all these strategies for being woke. Got all these strategies for, for, for trying to engage with people. But when's the last time you actually sat down with a person that couldn't do anything for you in return? Without love... Everything that you believe is insignificant. First Corinthians 13, 2, he says, if I have faith that can move mountains, but don't have love, this one is hard. He says, I am nothing. Paul saying to us that we can believe all we want to believe. But if it's not rooted in love for people, it don't matter. In fact, you're almost like nothing. See, when I was in seminary and Bible college, all that stuff, I was around a whole bunch of dudes, a whole bunch of ladies that knew a lot. They could parse the Greek verb. They could walk you through every pericope of scripture. They could tell you about all these types of things and have all these high fancy quotes for you to listen to. 
But when it came down for us to have missions times and to go into some of the most impoverished places in the city that we were in and go and serve and love on the people, those folks did not show up. They were too busy in the ivory towers learning. They were too busy building up uh, uh, their knowledge base that they had no connection point to real people. I'm telling you, I'm telling you this. God is not calling you to that. God's not calling you to fill up your mind to the point that you miss people. He's not calling you to fill up your Instagram page with all types of quotes from various people and authors and quotes from various uh, theologians and, and Bible verses. He's not calling you to do that. He's calling you to get down and love on some difficult people. He says, I can have faith to move mountains, but if I don't have love, I'm nothing. Even all that you give is insignificant if you don't have love. First Corinthians 13, 3, he says, if I give all I possess to the poor, but don't have love. You could be a millionaire and drop off tens of thousands of dollars to the homeless every single week. But if you never get to the place where you spend time with those people, it won't matter. You'll just be giving away your money. Can I tell you this? God don't need your money. He don't need your money, but he needs is a broken vessel that's willing to go and serve and love on the least, the lost, the left out. Everything that you accomplish is inadequate if you don't have love. He says, if I give over my body. And I boast in order to boast. But don't have love. I am nothing. Jesus doesn't care about your accomplishments. Jesus doesn't care about the things that you've done in his name. In fact, he tells us that many are going to say, Lord, 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 I've done all this in your name. And he's going to tell them, depart from me. I never knew you. That's a hard word for us to draw in. But God is calling us to love people. That's the way that we're going to distinguish ourselves is by the love that we have for one another. That means within this community right here that we've got to love on each other regardless of how difficult it might be for us to love one another. We've got to live woven with one another regardless of how much that person gets on your nerves. Can I tell you that if you're really, you're not really in community with people unless somebody is getting on your nerves. You're not. If you, if, if they're not getting on your nerves, listen, in fact, if the pitch of their voice doesn't irritate you, then you're not in community with people. You're just going through the motions. It's not until you've got to say, hey, Jim, um, Man, you having a good day, brother? Um, yeah, Jim, um, 
could you could you tone it down a bit? Um, no, 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 no issue. Just um, it's your voice is like a little uh, until you got to do walk through that with somebody. Until you've got to, I'll get a little deeper for you. Until you're walking in a relationship with somebody and you got to go to them and say, hey, bro, um, you know, we be together and, you know, we're, we're serving together and we're close. And, you know, sometimes you've got a little older, but hey, bro, like, I, I, I want you to know that because I love you. I don't want you out here just having to do that like and and smelling like that i want you to find freedom from that stuff i want you to be free and 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 be pure and all that stuff until you can walk in relationship with somebody like that and have those difficult conversations you are just playing around i'm telling you because i know i've had to do it and i wasn't behind my behind his back dogging him like yo you smell bull Oh, be stinking. Like, no, that's my that's my brother. Like, I've got to let him know. Like, hey, bro, you know, Irish Spring, Dove, twice a day. Like, you know, what's up? Y'all, I'm telling you, those are real conversations that I've had with people that I've been walking in discipleship with. Until those conversations get real. We're just going through the motions. Why? Because love is patient. Love will take its time dealing with people, even when they get on your nerves. Love has the ability to say, you know what? We got off to a bad start, but can we start again and try to figure this thing out? Because I don't think that you're really the way that I think you are. If we really get down to it, I believe you love Jesus. So can we try this again? Can we introduce ourselves again and get to know one another again? Like, Can, can we do that? Love is kind. Kind is the opposite of nice. There are a lot of nice people out there who think they're doing the nice thing. Calling the cops on little kids selling water because, you know, this neighborhood, you got to have a permit. Those people thought they were being nice. But there's a difference between being nice and being kind. I think I told you all this before. The word nice comes from a root word, which means to ignore. We're very good at ignoring the things that we should pay attention to. But we're not so good at doing the things that require us to give up something of ourselves. Galatians 5 says, the only thing that counts The only thing that matters is faith expressing itself through love. You can scream, I'm a Christian all day long. 
But if it doesn't look like love, it doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is faith expressing itself through love. You've got to love people. God's calling us to love on people. And he's calling us to love on people well. That's the last thing I want us to see. He wants us to love well. I'm jumping around a bit today, but I want you to see in Daniel chapter 6, verse 1 through 5, it says that it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom and with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not have to suffer loss. That means so that the king didn't have to do anything. Pretty much. He could just send out his, set, his, his administrators to rule over and he could just sit on the throne. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself. I want, this is what I want you to see. That Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps. How? By his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So King Darius was getting ready to get to get rid of all the other administrators and the satraps and have David rule, Daniel ruling over everything because he had distinguished himself through his exceptional qualities. At this, the administrators and satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel. How many of you know that when you're doing what God's calling you to do, that people are going to find a way to bring charges against you? They're going to find a way to point out some things in your life. Well, you know, she don't, she don't really, she don't really talk to her kids the way she's supposed to talk to them. Well, maybe she's just disciplining her children. They'll try to bring up any little thing against you. So they were trying to bring charges against him in his conduct of government, in his, in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt or negligent. How many of us can say that that's the testimony of our life? Finally, these men said, watch this. We'll never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel. Here's how I want us to see how God is calling us to love well. The first way he's calling us to love well is the way that David, that Daniel did. It says that he served well. David, Daniel, you call him David. Daniel has served so well that people begin to notice around him. Talk is cheap. You can talk all you want to talk. You can say all you want to say. You can do all you want to do. But if people around you don't notice a difference in your life, guess what? You're not serving well. And you know people like to talk about what they do and the accomplishments that they make and the intellect that they have. But it doesn't make a difference if the people around you don't affirm that in your life. Paul says, though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a servant to everyone 
to win as many as possible. Listen, we must serve people well in order to win people to Jesus Christ. See, the love that you have don't matter if you're not winning souls to Jesus. If you just got love because you're just warm and fuzzy, but that love never translate into somebody coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ and following after Jesus because they've seen your lifestyle and they see how you love on people. If that doesn't translate to people being saved, guess what? You are not loving well. Next, Daniel set an example for them. See, Daniel had done his job so well that they could find no corruption in him at all. To the point that even while they was trying to hate on him, they get down to it and said, we'll never find any basis for charges against this man. He had done his job so well that he set the example for how the job should be done. What does that mean for us, preacher? If you're on your job, you ought to be setting the example for how the job is to be done. That means that you got to show up on time. That means that you've got to do the job well without complaining. That means that you've got to be, as, as, as Jesus says, you've got to be salt on the earth and you've got to be light like a, like a, like a light upon a hill. Because if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? In other words, if you lose your witness on the job because you're lazy, if you lose your witness on the job because you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, how will you ever gain it back? They'll just look at you and say, he a Christian. Huh. He's just like us. What makes him different? He's doing the same stuff we doing. We got to set an example if we're going to love well. And that means you got to love first. We got to be the first to love people. We've got to be the first to show people love who aren't being loved. That's why we do the things that we do. That's why I shared with y'all last week after we did the event in the park. There was a community member out there who, who said that the, that the event that we did was the most meaningful event to happen in that community in over 50 years. We love first so that we can love well. That's why people in relationships are always saying, put me first. It's hard to love well when you don't love first. Lastly is this. If you're going to set, if you're going to love well, you got to share Christ. If you're going to love well, you have to share Christ with people. See, it doesn't make any difference if you do 
everything right. And you never open up your mouth to tell somebody about Jesus Christ. It just doesn't matter. You've got to share about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ with people if you're ever going to love them well. Old school evangelists used to say, if I saw a train coming directly at you and I didn't yell, hey, move, I wouldn't be loving you well. So if I see your life barreling down a ditch and I don't say anything and I've got the rope in my hand, which is Jesus, and I don't say anything to you, I'm not loving you well. Church, we've got to be ready to share Christ with people if we're going to love them well. Because, listen at this, how you act is just as important as what you say. I'll close with this. The Australian coat of arms pictures two creatures. One of them is an emu, which is a flightless bird. The other is a kangaroo. Those animals were chosen because they share a characteristic that appealed to the Australian citizens. Both the emu and the kangaroo, watch this, can only move forward. They can't move backwards. See, the emu's three-toed foot causes it to fall over if it tries to walk backwards. And the kangaroo is prevented from walking in reverse because of the weight of its large tail. So those who truly follow Jesus become like the emu and the kangaroo moving only forward and never backwards. Church, God is calling for us to move forward today in loving people. He's not calling for us to take some steps back. You know, I just got to take a step back from them because, you know, they don't really do how I do. So I just got to step back from them for a little while. God's not calling us to that. He's calling us to move forward in him like the emu and the kangaroo. So as a church, we're going to begin to move forward in our love for people. If we don't do anything else with this church... We're going to move forward in living woven with one another and living in community with each other and in relationship with one another, even when it doesn't feel easy, even when it's not comfortable for us. God's saying, move forward. I know what they did hurt you, but move forward. I know what they said rubbed you the wrong way, but move forward. I know you're not as comfortable with that, but move forward. God is calling us in this season to move forward. And it starts with moving forward.
with our knees in prayer. God is calling for a people who love one another and who cry out to him. So that my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray. God wants to do something in the life of this church through our prayer life as we move to love difficult people. If there's somebody in your life that is difficult for you to love, pray. If there's a people that God is calling you to, if he's calling you to a particular people or group on your job, and you're scared and you're nervous, pray. If there's a neighbor that God is telling you they need the gospel, they need to know about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, but that's outside your comfort zone. Pray. God's calling us to move forward in prayer as we seek to love people so that they might love the word, live woven, have a lifestyle of worship and leverage their work. Is anyone here today that is hearing about this love that we're talking about? They want to know where it stems from. That love that I'm talking about today, it stems from one place. Scripture says that he is the center of all creation. He's the source of everything. And his name is Jesus Christ, the Lord. Maybe you don't know what it's like to be in a relationship with Jesus. We want to walk you through that help you to see what that is like help you to know how you can walk with Jesus so that you can truly love people if you're here today we want to talk with you we want to pray with you Father help us to love distinguished as your church by the love that we have for each other. May it not be said of us that we argue and we fight and we're dismissive and we don't love. And God, even when we're, when we're arguing and we're fighting, and we're dismissive help us to come back to one another and love each other forgive us of our trespasses help us to forgive others help us not to see the thousand pound weight in our eye God we need to see it don't let us only be able to see the speck in our brothers let us see the beam in our eye fathers by your power by your might that we pray these things thanksgiving and